Alright, you white motherfuckers. All eyes on me. This is the Average Years Podcast. Had to cut them hoes loose. Shit, NDA, no loose slips. Now them bitches trying to sue me. Bitch, I don't give two fucks. Oh. I know Arianda is somewhere slobbing down on that nondescript, pale ginger. Glad that the spotlight is off of her right now. It's Mr. Foxy, I Refuse Podcast. I'm back. We're at a stage right now to where things may be starting to tumble down for Lizzo. You know, to the point to where Beyonce has dropped her name and any semblance or reference to Lizzo from anything tied to her. I think she even dropped her name from the You Won't Break My Soul remix, Queen's remix. Y'all think Beyonce isn't listening while she's performing on her uh, U.S. leg of her Renaissance tour? But clearly she is. She had time to shout out to her mom about the divorce. She had time to address Erica Badu about how she was claiming she was the stylist for everybody because Beyonce wore the long hats. Like, I knew Badu was um, joking and unserious. Like, quite as his cap, our beast has been wearing the long hat for a long time. So, what are you saying? But, Beyonce be knowing. Like, Y'all think she's not paying attention. She doesn't have to, like, make a post or whatever. But when it gets to Beyonce's attention, that's how you know the impact is serious and the impact is real. I told y'all in the last video that it could go one of two ways for Lizzo when it comes to this suit. The court could either laugh the girls, the dancers, out of the courthouse, or things could be really um, coming down for Lizzo in the eyes of Stan culture. People are like probably thinking, you know, behind the smoke and mirrors of the gimmick and, you know, the body positivity could very well be a, an environment different than what she's saying in her music. We'll see. But we're here to talk about something else. Take a little bit of a reprieve from that. You know, I got down to watching the second part of Nene's interview with Carlos King. Uh, My takeaway is that you really didn't need a part two. Um, Part one is the, the greater part of the two parts. Um, again, you know, the conversation eventually went back to housewives and who's the star and who isn't, um, comparing it to Potomac in a way, 
who's the star over there, who isn't. Uh, there was conversation again about Candy. There was conversation again about Kenya. There was conversation again about Phaedra. Um, the first 20 minutes of part two, it was Nini again kind of comparing herself to white women and, you know, particularly the Kardashians and how the treatment, in a way that the treatment is different when we're essentially just talking about apples and oranges. At the end of the day, first of all, she had her timeline mixed up. The Kardashians came out the year before. Um, Also, the Kardashians are a very familiar family dynasty. Um, The Kardashians forever will be tied to the O.J. Simpson trial, trial of the century that happened almost 30 years well, almost 15 years before anybody even thought about Atlanta Housewives. Then on top of that, they are branding like masters to the point that every episode for the past 14, 15 so seasons, people are locked into watching these people just sit in front of a camera and exist. And they have been doing it for so long on most of their most of the show has been on the E channel, which was not known for anything other than news at the first you know, first couple of years. They've from that time they've been able to like branch out into other things. Skincare, makeup, clothes, fashion. And they're invited to, like, a lot of things. Just for existing. Branding, like, all credit goes to Chris. I don't really go up to... I don't really go for the Kardashians like that. But let's look at it from a critical standpoint. You, Nene, are comparing yourself in to support this argument of differences in treatment, which... That's going to be a a general theme throughout anybody's life, especially people of color. But branding, reality TV, you looking to be an actress and benefiting off of that, but not successfully able to branch out into other things um, and maintain that duality during your tenure on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, you did the, the Ryan Murphy stuff, cool. You did the the Broadway stuff a little bit, cool. You did uh, Celebrity Apprentice, okay. Um, unfortunately, you're not the first and you're not the last since you've done it to do those things. Those are things aimed to get just about anybody on there like Chicago a long-standing Broadway play had a weekly turnstile of celebrities to fill in for the role of Roxy Hart Celebrity Apprentice I mean celebrities in the damn title and not for nothing while Ryan Murphy's stuff is pretty good 
Um, it's not like you went from Glee and the New Normal, which didn't last that long, into like American Horror Story, like with Angela Bassett and um, not Glenn. Was it Glenn Close? It's, it was the other lady in Kathy Bates, like serious, serious actresses, right? Um, like, like on Glee, outside of um, that uh, guy from Broadway who plays the male lead on that show, it was really just you and um, the lady that plays Sue Sylvester and a bunch of kids. It wasn't like you were starring, you know, across from Whoopi or Danny Glover or something. Um, so it's like apples and oranges. You know, you tried to do a read show, which was very much giving like bus stop teas um, down into your, your lounge. Um, there isn't a whole lot of conversation around your lounge, like even adjacent to what Old Lady Gang was doing. And, you know, the takeaway from your time on Real Housewives during that time was that you just felt like you were better than the rest of the women on the show, which aside from whatever you had to say about Kenya and stuff, people remember that more. Like, at least with Kenya, you knew what you were getting when, when she started to, you know, branch out and spread her wings on the show. Like, we know that's the circus part. Like, she's a tough Detroit girl, very entertaining, and she is a star. And to your point, she works better when she has an adversary or a target that can go toe-to-toe with her. I'll give you that. Um, for you to, like, kind of start off, I believe, both parts of the interview talking about Oh, how you don't watch the show. You just look at clips on the timeline. Yet you spent most of the time talking about the show. And in current terms, like you're you're kind of watching, like, I don't know. And for people to not be considered stars in your eyes, you spent a lot of time talking about Candy in Kenya. Um, how Candy doesn't, she just does not give you star. She gives you supporting star. And that the, you just feel like the camera just doesn't like Candy. And there were a lot of people down on the timeline. When both parts, you know, after each part came out, kind of playing your position or playing in your favor at the detriment of the people. And it was just like... Candy stays rent-free in a lot of people's minds. Now, does Candy really, like, give you, like, oh, a star or anything? But, no, she doesn't. But, you know, going into it, kind of, that she really used the platform the best to kind of branch out into other stuff. Had more spinoffs than everybody else. Leveraged her relationship with Bravo. You know, aside from being a reliable person and having, you know, a following with our social media to bring other people along. 
um, give other people in her candy coated, give escape, a lot more screen time. Everybody was making money off of Candy's name. And never once did she even like try to play like she was above anybody else. But she's not going to let you play her. And I think what really bothers Nene about Candy is that Candy came to the table as a name. Just like Kenya kind of came to the table as a name. Just like Phaedra kind of came to the to the table as a name. Whether you agree that they're stars or not, I think there is some um, something about the three of them. And to some degree, maybe Portia, that Nene just feels threatened by. Like, they don't need the show. Whereas, you know that you need the show. And you need Bravo. And unfortunately, you haven't maximized or even attempt to, like, leverage your name and your status within the Atlanta Housewives universe to make yourself, you know, better in the eyes of other people. Um, of course, you know, some people did respond. Some of the other housewives did respond in their own special way. Robin gave a very much Robin response, you know, when Can when Nini said to Carlos's question, and I think a lot of that, a lot of both parts is Carlos really just playing into Nini. Like, I feel like Nini probably gave him a lot of ammo before her appearance or leading up to her appearance to where Carlos set up the questions in a way to kind of throw shade. So when it got down to the comparisons, who's a star and who's not, and she started talking about Potomac, she said, you know, when the question was, do you think Robin and Giselle are stars? She said, maybe, and Robin's not a star. Robin was cool with it. Takes full ownership of her position. Um, is not bothered one way about it, according to her statement on her IG. And, you know, knows her place and is not really aiming to be one. And we know that, you know, for the last seven or so seasons, Robin just plays her part, does a little screen time, a little yang, yang, yang in some scenes, and goes on about her business. Unfortunately, she she's not favorable, but she's not, like, the least favorite, I don't think. I mean, we tend, looking at Potomac, we tend to look at the show like it could be anybody's season or anybody's episode. I mean, everybody over there is a hot-ass mess. Um, for the longest time, it was like, Robin is like Giselle's talking head almost because it's just like she just phones it in and when she does pipe up she's usually in somebody else's mess and somebody else's business neglecting every opportunity to have a legitimate storyline 
to maintain her position. If that was the case. Um, in my opinion, I think Giselle is more like a main character. There aren't really any stars over at Potomac Housewives. But things have changed in the last five or ten years as far as reality TV. Where it's like, we know that we can tell at this point who is forcing something and who is coming with something real. And with Potomac, while there may not be stars, everybody's bringing something that's pretty real. Giselle, she's kind of running out of steam and just kind of making shit up. Um, But for a while, everybody had a real storyline. No, Ashley has a real storyline. Candace has a real storyline. Karen is trying her best. Um, and she's gotten a lot better as far as having a a personality on the show. Um, it's not just rambling and looking crazy. Although we enjoy the circus. But, you know, there is still some truth to what Nini is saying. But it's not surprising. Um, I don't think Andy is ever going to answer her calls. Like, that bridge is burned. Um, There is still a level of lacking of accountability, particularly when it comes to her relationship with Bravo. Like, we get that you may feel like... For years, you haven't been treated well or comparably to, I don't know, Kim. Or you feel like you haven't been favored more or the same. And it's just like, you have to really document and dig deep into some examples to support that claim. Um, you could definitely educate Andy. And maybe she has. Um... To where Andy's like, okay, maybe I could do it this way or do it that way. But from our vantage point, watching you and Watch What Happens Live more than any other housewife or any other Bravo celebrity, it just gives this impression that you never really had that conversation with Andy. Um, You never took those opportunities off camera to educate him in real time about the environment, um, giving him solid examples, bringing him to a greater level of awareness to where he could possibly make changes. Um, Now, the second part of the Carlos King interview, it was just like, she was kind of just cherry picking, um, with a face of ambiguity. And it was just like, this could definitely be your time to clear a lot of air and make a lot of ground to educate us. I mean, you have no contractual loyalty to Bravo and to Andy Cohen to where you have to kind of be like as mum as you were in the second part of the interview. Or of, you know, your podcast appearance. Like, you, you just got to be able to to work it. 
And I feel like the second part, she really didn't work it um, to where it was like, oh, we needed the second part. Um, it was it was way it was way too unclear. It was way too much dancing around and not the best um, part for somebody that could who's familiar with PR. Um, you know, the part where they were both like tearing up and Carlos was crying more and all this other stuff. Like at that point, it kind of came off like, here's two bitches outside the club crying because they can't get in. Like, I for one, as somebody that's been told to kind of move on, um, anytime I open my mouth about something that other people have put me through, I realize that, like, people who say shit like that, it's easy for them to say that when they think they're the exception or, the, you know, they they feel that they're the exception to their knowledge, um, meaning that they're above this kind of shit that they've seen happen to, to us, right? Um... You know, it was a great run for Nene. Uh, I honestly think she should have took that uh, that six episode appearance and really milked it. Um, but I also know that, or feel like, theorize that she didn't take it because on principle, and I'm just theorizing, she didn't take it on principle given what, she experienced as far as any unequal treatment, you know, Kimsey getting passes for, you know, the, the microaggressions, um, both recorded on camera. For example, when she went to go see Candy's new house and those little side jabs she was taking about the neighborhood and having to lock her doors when she came on the side of town and, you know, looking down on Candy's choice as Candy was giving her a tour of her house. Um, and even, I mean, the blanket kind of conversations they were having on the reunion with Kim and Andy, or in front of Andy, about maybe she could she could be racist or she could not be racist. She could just be downright ignorant and you know you not you just don't know because you just don't know um like i think that was definitely a moment where they dropped the ball like i feel like i'm from the school of we have if i have an issue with you i'm saying it to your face in this moment while the issue is still happening not going to wait Go, while I'm smiling in your face, um, no matter how long we've been friends. I'm not going to wait until, you know, time has passed while we have our, you know, each other's phone numbers. But definitely in the moment or when addressing in that case, the season where you, you've made comments or you've said stuff 
and there's a pattern while I need to actually say it. Um, definitely could have had a very lengthy conversation because it's like at that point, Kim was already on her path with Corey and kind of focusing on that and the kids and being pregnant and stuff and not fully committed to what they had going on over there with production. So, like, take the time now to have that full-on conversation before this woman disappears into her shoe with her 1,200 kids and her football team. Um, like, that, def- especially in this climate, that kind of conversation needs to be had. And it's like, we don't have that many opportunities with Nene to actually get some full insight and for her to really come out. There's definitely a way to navigate, I guess, the legal, the legalities, uh, which you can say, what you can say. Like, she's really good with innuendo and, you know, talking around things to where we get it and we understand. And I feel like part two, she really dropped the ball. Really drop the ball. It's clear that Atlanta Housewives and Bravo still lives rent-free in her mind. Um, and she could really benefit from forging a relationship with those girls that she's been working with. She had been working with for a long while on that show. Forge a relationship off camera. Be sincere. Be apologetic. And be present in the moment. And not come with a motive or an agenda. Like, girl, you need you need girlfriends. And some real girlfriends. Not the ones you, you picked up at the bus stop and brought on the show that one time. Just saying. Uh... My rating for part two... Probably six or seven out of ten. Um, you know, for somebody to not be watching the show, part two definitely added fuel to the flames. That is, here's somebody with who's still a fan of the show, but is too afraid to admit it to herself and to the rest of us. But those of us that pay attention know that she still watches. And she still wants to be on the show. But for out of pride and principle and all that internal shit that people use as a shield, she keeps dropping the ball. Like, didn't really maximize her her time with Bravo and her relationship with Bravo and being a so-called star of Atlanta Housewives and, you know, labeling herself and as the one that built to like, to build that built Housewives to really go out and like brand herself and really be a force of nature for Bravo. Like, you really didn't see her outside of, like, the QVC and 
outside of Broadway. It was really just her and Atlanta Housewives. And a little spot over here for a little bit. A little spot over there. And that's unfortunate. Like, stands to reason she could really learn from Candy's school of branding. But yet and still, we want to talk about how people are not a star. Like, that's the only thing to be in life. You know, you get people talking long enough, they'll show their slip. And Candy definitely showed her, I mean, Nene definitely showed her slip on part two. Not so much in part one. Part one was really good. Because um, that was more of a nostalgia kind of thing. But part two... Ooh, 7 out of 10. Oh, and before I get up out of here, before I get up out of here, because I try to keep these episodes short, we over here at the I Refuse Podcast will, until our dying breath, and well into the next lifetime, will continue to revere and esteem highly Pee Wee Herman. And recognize him as somebody that was instrumental in our childhood. I went to go watch Huey's Big Adventure again yesterday. Every scene in that movie is great. There isn't a bad scene, a a bad note. Like, the rhythm isn't different. The energy isn't off. Shout out to Tim Burton, who directed that, that masterpiece. There's always somebody, there's always somebody in the midst of memoriam and reverence that wants to bring up or, you know, an article from 15, 20 years ago to be a Debbie Downer. Like, it's just misery, man. It's like, they tried to get rid of P.B. Herman in the early 90s, the conservatives. And like I said earlier about, you know, get people talking long enough, or if there's a moment where people show their slip, this is definitely one of those moments where it's like, you're showing yourself to be, and you know, anti-liberal or anti-this or anti-that. They tried to get him out of here, P.B. Herman, in the early 90s. Um, because this man went to an adult theater where there are other adults to rub one out. But because the inference was, oh, here's a guy that created, which was essentially a comic act. But he has this show aimed at kids. He has this childlike innocence and this energy and this persona in his movies. They took that and ran with it and tried to put out this messaging that, oh, he was a pedophile and he was this and he was that. Because he was an adult in his private life, went to a theater to rub one out around other adults which is still a thing to this day. And they tried to charge him with indecent exposure or whatever, but because he was a celebrity, he got most of the heat. 
And then they tried to do it again in the early 2000s, which I didn't hear anything about until recently when somebody brought it up. Oh, none of the, you know, this should put an end to the nostalgia. This man had pictures and blah, 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 blah. I heard about that guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, actor Jeffrey Jones, who was also on Howard the Duck, um, doing that shit and having to file, you know, register as a sex offender and all that stuff. Um, but never heard that with Pee Wee Herman. But, you know, there's always somebody on the on the cusp or on the bandwagon of trying to cancel a dead person. I'm just like, y'all are weird. Y'all are weird. Nobody asked you, and you're showing yourself to be anti. This is Mr. Fox, the IRFuse Podcast. I will catch you guys later. Um, this Lizzo thing is a trip. Foreshadowing is a bitch. That rumor single. Y'all are looping that, uh, those two or three bars from that song on TikTok. And I'm over here hollering like a motherfucker. Uh, Ariana Grande, you're safe in the Big Brother house for right now. But best believe... We haven't forgot, you know, enjoy the little pale-ass six-pack screen mask in the face as do that you're with right now. Um, the power of the media. Uh, hopefully somebody out here can give Nene a little job, you know, down the Lemonade Stand or the Orange Julius or something. Um... Because I know Bravo is not going to budge. And uh, Lizzo's probably going to settle with those dancers. Um, if nothing else. But unfortunately, you don't need much to, I guess, cancel. Putting that in air quotes. A celebrity at this point. It's just funny to me, though. Like, my other takeaway is that, like, stand culture is starting is going to start to implode um people are really going to find themselves kind of bored and like looking at themselves in the mirror like i can't believe i bought into this body positivity thing and this this lady and her captain and her people that are hired by her or whatever allegedly are putting the dancers through it um you can't even do truth or dare anymore um can't even have fun to kind of loosen up after a tour date anymore um it's really it's really gonna it's really gonna make everything out here boring and shit that's why i keep my black ass in the house People won't be satisfied until we're like back in the 50s and the 60s. This is Mr. Fox I Refuse Podcast. Follow and subscribe to I Refuse Podcast everywhere you see it. We're on Twitter at I Refuse Podcast. All the information will be at the end of this video and I will catch you guys later. Peace out.